2: hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of tooth or dare podcast i know what you're thinking if you're listening to this at home or i don't know in the car or next to your one night stand literally your (laughs) nightstand um, you're probably wondering whose voice is this this is not a canadian's voice i'm not hearing the accent and you'd be right. It is none other than Katrina, the dental wine genist. Irene has let me take over for this episode, so I'm hashtag stoked on it. I can't wait. Uh, we have an incredible episode today, and um, I just want, I want to kind of dive into it. I have Irene here, but Irene's here in a different capacity. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Irene. How are you today, Irene?
1: Hey, girl. Hey, look at you doing that for the first time. You I'm like, did it better so than nervous. me. Really? Oh,
2: I'm like, I literally have pit are stains. Are you reading off the like script? Do you
1: have a teleprompter? No. No, no, I don't. I just made that are up. Are you also wearing safety glasses? Because those look like safety glasses. Just they don't have eye. they don't
2: have side shields. Um, oh, okay. I have a prescription now. I'm like going blind. Um, oh. uh, how are you today? Oh you know I'm living my best life. <laughs> That's all I ever wanted for you is for you to live your so best what life. What are we doing today? What is going on here? This is okay. I'm 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 excited about this. So okay listen. It's not just us on the call, okay? It's not just us on the call. So for all the viewers uh, listening, I am so excited because, yes, I am hosting this episode, and I am interviewing Irene today, and we're going to talk about what we're going to be talking about in a moment, but I want to introduce to the listeners my co-host for this episode, none other than the Mark Costas. Mark Costas, how are you today?
0: I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me, girls. This is awesome.
2: We're so excited to have you. So uh, Mark Hastas, first of all, uh, an incredible uh, speaker. If you had the opportunity to to hear him uh, deliver a program, he's uh, just got some really incredible ideas and he unpacks them in a very cool way. Um, He's a a practicing dentist, he's a coach. Um, So uh, I know uh, initially started uh, working in private practice and began to understand some of the layers of challenges that um, practice owners and doctors can experience. I mean, we all say it, and we say it a lot. I mean, in dental school, dental hygiene school, we learn a lot about how to put on loops and work microscopically on the teeth, but how do we do that with our business? And so uh, Mark Costas, an international keynote speaker and founder of the Dental Success Institute, um, comes to us today um, bringing kind of this vibrant idea, this this kind of uh, over-the-balcony view of how uh, we in dentistry can optimize the work that we do, not only from a clinical standpoint, but also a practice management standpoint. He uh, is also a number one Amazon best-selling author of the book Pillars of Dental Success. He's got an internet radio show, The Dentalpreneur Podcast, um, which has listenership in over 150 countries worldwide. He has a beautiful wife, Leslie, and they're kids are absolutely stunning uh three sons and he lives in the fabulous state of arizona up in prescott how's it up there in prescott
0: it's like 82 degrees and perfect today must be
2: nice yeah yeah little
0: breeze it's just like <laughs> down in the valley right
2: yeah just yeah i mean except it's like 110 here and yeah. uh, i'm, 20, I'm melting yeah plus
0: 25 Uh,
2: Exactly. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, So, but we're excited to have um, Dr. Costas here um, because of his work that he does with the uh, Dental Success Institute. Um, Before we get into the episode, can you tell us a little bit more about the Dental Success Institute, what it is that you do um, with your institute and how you're supporting uh, dental professionals in uh, optimizing their practice management systems?
0: Uh, Sure. I guess the only thing I can say is that I'm qualified to say anything with a microphone in front of my face, only because I've made more mistakes than anybody else. I've, I've owned 15 dental practices uh, throughout my career. I currently own six and it, it wasn't always pretty um, and still not isn't always pretty. Um, continually, continuing to learn every single day, I'm humbled every single day with, uh, with new challenges and new surprises. But um, currently six practices, two in California, four in Arizona, I have about almost 90 employees uh, depending on the day um, in the practices and then we have a couple different things going on we have dental success network which is a network of uh, a, a paid membership network of 900 dentists from all over the country all 50 states and we have a, a really cool community uh, much like um, maybe like a like a dental town but uh, but with a very very positive spin to it and we have A couple dozen faculty members that that uh, house the different chat rooms in there. Uh, We have one of the largest buying groups in the profession and then we also have a a huge um, video library of continuing education. So that's Dental Success Network. The Dental Success Institute is my private uh, coaching clients. Um, We have what we call black belt coaches, people that have been through this curriculum that have um, an overhead of 50% or less and a systemization score, we call it a systemization score of 80% or greater. So they're systemized, they run tight operations and they coach for us. We have 11 black belt coaches. We have five traveling coaches that go into the offices of our private clients and um, and we just have a really good time. We have a couple hundred uh, private clients that are in what we call the elite practice mastermind and that's inside uh, dental success Institute. And um, I used to do all the traveling. I I used to be on the road every single week Um, and I've turned that over to our awesome coaches. So, so that's the dental success Institute. That's the dental success network. And that's my practices. That's my life. So do oh your
1: goodness. coaches like with that is, the, hold on. Can I say a word here? Yeah. All of the people you chose to interview me,
2: <laughs> you, chose,
1: you chose the guy that has all of the answers. And I'm like in yeah. practice one mode, he's going <laughs> to laugh. Like, like, no, no he's can not. I call you Mark, Mark. Are we friends? Can I call you Mark?
0: Of course you could call.
1: Me he, he's party. just gonna laugh at me. He's gonna be like, Oh honey, I've done that fifteen times already. Oh honey, I'm your first employee. Oh, I'm already on like hundred and fifty. Let me tell Jeez you about Mark Costas.
2: He is the most humble person. I one of the most humble people <laughs> I've ever met. I, I recall, Irene, that we had like some two third dare situation happening at VOD and you were like just yeah. handed your phone off to Mark and you're like, You videotaped yeah. this and Mark's like, Oh, okay. Like Sure, which <laughs> he's amazing. And also, do you remember that time that I spilled my glass of red wine on you and you didn't hate me and you still came back on? It to, was a
0: full glass of red it wine. It was a
2: full glass <laughs> no. of red wine like right all over him and Craig Harder. And I was like, sorry. Oh no. But, I mean, I'll guys, get
0: that was the day that I met you. That I, that I was, met you about a half hour earlier. Yes. And, no. Uh, we were, yeah, we're already really
2: different. Oh, I'm <laughs> so sorry for your luck. <laughs> I'm so sorry for yeah, <laughs> awesome. having to to have all these interactions with me. So he's like he's super humble and and I think okay. um the thing that you you started with that I absolutely love is that you've made all of the mistakes. Like and and that's the thing is that if you've only been met with success, you're not prepared for all of the ups and downs that are happening in dentistry and I mean right now is a perfect example. Like who who prepared their business for a global pandemic of this you know, magnitude. And so, okay. I, I, I mean, you're everywhere right now. You're doing all of the things. Um, we'll get your um, social media handles and all that jazz at the conclusion of the program, because I want people to be able to reach out to you if they have any questions. Sure. Um, you're amazing. And I, I just had one other quick question for you before we start um, uh, sure. diving into Irene, and that would be, do your coaches wear black belts? Like, is it like a karate thing? Or <laughs> oh my is- gosh,
0: hold on. Can you give me, just give me five seconds. Yes, 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 get- yes,
2: please. <laughs> I Where is he, he going? I think he has like a black belt, like legit. No way. We're still if, recording.
1: We're not editing this out. He just left. Re- We're talking. I, he, he's Where gone. did he go? He just I don't left. know. But he get just, ready like, to take a his-
2: screenshot. People need to. See- the you, world you're needs you're to see this. this episode. You do the screenshot. Okay. All right, this is okay, you, okay, girl. Okay. okay. So you, this is. Um, what are you doing?
0: We just. Sorry, I had to run into the other room because we just got oh, done with with our black belt ceremony, and usually at our summit was scheduled for March twenty seventh. Mm. Sorry, I'm out of breath now. <laughs> <into> <laughs> um, yes, um, that's
2: one of the signs and symptoms. Be careful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so our, our summit, uh, this would have been the ninth annual. Um, first time we've we've skipped it in nine years, but it had to be rescheduled because of COVID. It was scheduled yeah. for March 27th. One of our traditions is we get all the people that have been promoted to black belt status because we do it white belt, blue belt, brown belt, black belt. And the black belts have to be maintain black belt status for six months, and then they have to be unanimously voted by the other black belts to become a coach, but we just had our virtual black belt ceremony this morning where I awarded the black belts to all of the people that actually. Oh,
2: cool. Um, love that. Yes.
0: So, so they, these are people that have 50% overhead and have super tight operations manuals. And they, they have to have a certain leadership score. Certain I have a question for you.
1: Are, are any yeah. of those belts you're holding a hygienist who owns her own practice?
0: Not yet. You could <gasps> Irene, be the first.
2: Irene. yes. <laughs> you're going to do it. You're I
1: have the a feeling like that. that Mark, you and I together are going to change the world of independent dental hygiene practice ownership. I
0: am on board.
1: This is amazing. Let me know how I can help oh i love that I, yeah you want to so come good. over here and, and do everything because that would
0: be great <laughs> No, <laughs> that'd be that would that'd be, that'd be abdication versus delegation we talk about that all the <laughs> right. time I, that's another mistake that i've made i found you know three really good office managers and i abdicated everything to them and then when they eventually start leaving you realize that you don't know what you're doing and yeah and you never captured all the magic inside their head so oh, i yeah. love
2: that capture the magic inside their head that, how empowering as a, as a team member you know yeah. to feel like you have that that's just incredible right. um I, I i love your energy i'm so excited to dive into this episode uh, so this is this is a really incredible episode because um so many people uh have been reaching out to irene irene is um you know tr- she, she's just a remarkable human being like I, I i really admire you so much for all the things you do i really don't know like when you sleep Um, because you are just juggling so many incredible things and you're, you're, you're everywhere. Um, But one of the amazing things that Irene is doing is she's building her own practice, like literally from scratch, like the, just imagining everything, building it out, you know, creating everything from start to finish. And, and there's so much that goes into that. And I think one of the challenges is you know, people probably reach out to you, right? And slide into your DMs and they're like, how did you da, 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 da. And it's like, it, that's yeah. not just like a two sentence thing that you can like message someone back. Like there's so many layers to it. There's so much to it. So today we're, we're gonna unpack that. We're just gonna, we're gonna look at start to finish kind of where some of these things are. We've got some of the most common questions that people, you know, ask about this. And so um, Dr. Costas and I are just gonna kind of dive in and and uh, and rock and roll away, shall we?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm, I, I thank you both for doing this because it'll be a. I mean, I don't want to look at the easy way out, but I want to look at the most efficient way out. And if there is a hygienist out there, or hey, never mind, even doctors who want to start their own practices reach out to me because a lot of people are confused. They're they the first thing they say is, "Well, where are you located?" And I say, "I'm in Canada," and they're like, "Oh, well, in Canada, a hygienist can open a practice." Um, and the answer is yes and no, um, and the answer is also, and in America, uh, hygienists can open up practices too. It's state by state and province by province, but it'll be um, um, a more efficient way of me sharing the information with people by just shooting them the, the link, the URL to the podcast episode, and um, you know, if there are any further questions that I don't answer here, I'm happy to answer them um, one-on-one. So if I sent you this and you're listening to this because I sent it to you, it's not because I'm trying to cop out and not answer your question. It's because I think that the answer is in this episode and, and uh, more of the answer in the episode of what I'm doing and then Mark of what he's done. Mm -hmm. I hope perhaps when I answer a question, if you feel that, you know, that's great, Irene, but you could have been more efficient. Like tell me what you think I could have done better or can do better moving forward, because like I said, this is my first time, and it's your, what, 15th, did you say? How many practices 15th. have you Yeah,
0: owned? I've owned 15, 15? yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm baby, I'm baby Mark right now.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's okay, that's I'm okay, Mark you'll get 1. 1.
1: there. And Mark 1.0. 1.15, 1. 1. 1.15. Oh, <laughs> this is
0: cool, this is, this is so. like your FAQ reel, so something yes. that you can point yeah. back to, right? This is great, this right. is a so great okay. concept, I like it. This is gonna be awesome.
2: All right, so let's get the ball rolling. Um, We've kind of built this out into like three sections. So I'm gonna take the first section, just kind of some general questions for you, Irene, um, beginning with uh, how can you own your own office and what other provinces and states allow hygienists to open their own practice?
1: Yeah, Um, so the question of what provinces and states, I, I I will defer that to people looking at the ADHA website and the CDHA website because that changes quite frequently. And I don't know when you're listening to this episode, and I don't want to give you the wrong information. Um, what I can say is that I live in the province of Ontario in Canada, and I'll link those. We can link those resources um, because I'm sure they'll they'll be updated regularly on the ADHA and CDHA websites. But I can tell you that in the province of Ontario, dental hygienists have been able to to denote themselves as, quote unquote, independent hygienists for over a decade. And I'm not the first person to do this. I'm not the last person to do this. I'm just the most public person that's done it. Um, and I have the most social media followings of any Canadian dental hygienist. Um, and it's, it's because I share everything. I share the nitty gritty, the good, bad, the ugly. So in the province of Ontario, um it's been over 10 years and I, I know that my first dream of owning my own practice was 10 years ago i've graduated now 13 years it'll be 14 years this this summer um, and it was always a dream that i wanted to have my own office and my initial instinct was um i'll have one chair and i'll be a hygienist and i'll provide hygiene services and i'll do whitening and i'll do teeth cleaning and i'll do perio root planing and scaling and i'll have cool equipment but it'll be me and my chair which then has evolved over the last five years of me writing my business plan and tearing up pages and then adding new pages of how i wanted to expand and looking at the roi and looking at the cost per chair understanding down to the dollar how much it costs me per patient to sterilize instruments um it's uh, it's evolved to me owning now a practice that eventually will have four chairs one surgical operatory three general ops um and a pretty cool educational space. So that's how that's worked. Um, the CDHO, which is the College of Dental Hygienists of Ontario, um, dental hygienists in our province are uh, regulated by a different college than their dentists, which isn't always the case in the US, right? Katrina? Right.
2: Yeah, only California uh, hygienists are considered self-regulated. Every other state hygiene is under the dental board
1: yeah so we have our own board we write our own exams and we have our own insurance um and quite a few provinces in in ontario are like that so we are self-regulated in that sense where if i do something wrong it, it is then on me from my college it doesn't kind of fall back on my dock um so that's that's how we can own our own practices here
0: So just to clarify, will you be doing, you'll be doing hygiene services and uh, general dental services in your practice as well?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I have two doctors that will be starting right away. Um, One will be working on Tuesdays uh, and the other will be working either on Thursday or Fridays, um, which is kind of cool. It's cool that uh, I got to interview doctors and I put up an ad in a dental magazine here that you know, you read through them and it's like associate looking for associate, looking for associate, looking for associate. And then there's me saying Tooth Life Studio, um, looking for someone to provide dental services in an independent dental hygiene practice operating as a dental office. So front facing to the public, they don't know that a hygienist owns the office. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. I mean, There are two ways to run a practice here as an independent hygienist. You can have dental hygiene on the sign on the door, and people come in with the expectation that you're a dental hygienist, providing dental hygiene services. And perhaps you have a dentist that comes in or not, um, or you can do it the way that I've done it, and it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it's just owned by a rooster kind of thing. (laughs) Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know how We're better to start. say it. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I call myself a rooster. It's owned by a chicken. Um, so, yeah, that's just how I've decided to create my business plan. Um, but, yeah, we'll have doctors here. And um, Dr. Manoj is a former prosthodontist. He's a dean of uh, dental school in the prostho program uh, in wow. Chennai, India, who's been practicing here for the last seven months and is pretty amazing. And I know I'm gonna need to pull up my socks and invest some pretty epic equipment for him if I want him to continue his specialty. And, you know, I've worked that into our contract. Um, And Dr. Chang, who worked for his dad for two years, wanted to leave his father's practice and isn't ready to open up his own. So, I mean, I I know I might not have these people forever, um, but at least I have them for now. And I I can create a really cool environment with great treatment and a great vibe
0: interestingly enough the first practice that i ever bought was an acquisition and i bought it from an office manager in arizona you can be a non-dental uh, business owner so i purchased it from her uh it was a lab tech and an office manager they own their own practice and that was the first practice that i ever bought she stayed with me for 15 17 years before she transitioned out of dentistry wow, wow. but uh but yeah um very cool. It's totally, totally doable. Totally doable. Yeah. I, I, I love I love um, the entrepreneurial spirit that you got going here. It's, I yeah. respect it very much.
2: So Irene, what was and, it? And what
1: it, was it? So, sorry, so one last thing. The thing mm-hmm. that people don't realize is that DSOs mm-hmm. um, often aren't owned by dentists. So mm-hmm. like we have this um, mentality that doctor owns practice, doctor hires, team members, assistants, front desk, hygienists, other doctors, Um, but in a DSO model, that's not always how it works, and sometimes there are non-dentists that own practices and then have all of those people that work underneath the corporation, so I think we need to be talking about it more if we want to see more change, and I'm not saying that every dental hygienist should go out there and open his or her own practice. I mean, if that's not what you want to do, it's not what you want to do, but Mm -hmm. um, we shouldn't put people down when right. they want to do that, um, like people have, to me, in the past.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, I want to definitely talk about that. Um, I want to I want to ask about that. We'll, we'll get provocative at the end of this this yeah. um, program. But I, I did want to ask you before we move on, because um, we're going to have Mark go into some questions about the business of dentistry in a moment. But um, I, I did have a question for you about what it was like as a hygienist interviewing doctors for for your office, um, you know, what was that dynamic like? Did you feel like, I mean, because you probably got an, a nice group of resumes. I would imagine yeah. already the, the doctors that are going to be responding to this understand they're going to be working under a hygienist. So they're, no. Okay. All right. Let's, no. let's, let's,
1: let's talk about no. that. Um, yeah. So I, I did two things. I put up an ad on Facebook uh, in the Facebook business, uh, through my Facebook business page. Um, and then I put an ad up on the, the magazine, which also linked to their website, so they got an email blast. I paid a little extra to have my own larger feature, um, changed the font and the color of my, of my ad so that it would stand out a little bit better. So where a little bit of my marketing side um, came in. And I started um, putting up ads on my Instagram page, on the office Instagram page, and on my personal Instagram page uh, for all team members. And the people that follow me on Instagram, hopefully they know who I am and what my credentials are. Um, but those that found me from the internet or from this ad had no idea, um, unless they did a little bit of digging, that I was a hygienist. So I had uh, 33 resumes in three weeks, uh, <coughs> amalgamated between all of those platforms. And I started off each conversation with the facts that I am a dental hygienist. I own the practice, Tooth Life Studio. Um, And this is how we operate. And then I just paused. I just waited to see and hear the reaction. I did all of my first phase of interviews over zoom obviously it was during COVID as well but like, it's a lot to ask someone to come in. And I do feel like a great vibe when I'm sitting in a room with someone, but I also don't want to waste anyone's time. And it's so much easier to say, okay, thank you very much. And close your screen as opposed to like, let me walk you through the office and let me show you around. And um, so I just waited to see the response. And some people were like, oh, well, how, how is that happening? And then I had to go through the whole explanation of well you're not my associate it's basically a chair rental agreement and a fluctuating tmi and we break down a management fee and a management service and um in the end it kind of looks the same on the financial side but it's not a fee split because we're not allowed to fee split Um, Ah, so i had to yeah i had to explain it all and the two doctors that i hired already knew how it worked and not because they had worked for it with an independent hygienist or in a practice owned by an independent hygienist before Um, they were just versed and they knew their bylaws and they knew their guidelines and they I didn't have to pull up the RCDSO guideline and say well as per section 19 dash whatever this is what your guideline says so some of the interviews were interesting Uh, some of the interviews um, were short (laughs) <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Those are the best um, ones. You don't want <laughs> to 20 minutes of your life um, yeah. when you know and in the, the first the 10 seconds it. that it's not yeah. going to be a fit.
1: And some of the ones that were the shortest were the ones that said, I don't care who owns the practice. How much am I making?
0: Mm.
1: And I, I don't talk about money. Um, I try not to talk about money on the first meeting because Hey, I want to get to know you as a human being first. For sure,
0: for because sure. Because
1: we see each other more than we see our own families. So if you're like, yeah, I don't care who owns the practice, like, what's my cut? Um, I don't do, th- I've never done anything for money. Um, that's just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but my philosophy is love what you do when the money comes, if it's meant to. Um,
0: oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, those were the short inter- interviews.
0: Yeah. I love that. 33 though. I've never gotten 33 resumes for any ad that I've even posted. Um, Oh
2: yeah. Look at you, Irene.
0: I know. Well, Well, for a doctor, for a doctor position, I mean, you get a lot for say front office or hygiene, but never for a doctor.
1: I got more doctors than I did team.
0: That's Hmm. crazy. Wow.
1: Yeah. I got maybe 17 or 18 combined team positions level twos front desk some level two with front desk and a couple of hygienists a lot of hygienists but like a couple that were really interested Uh, but mostly doctors
0: i'm curious like what was the what was the percentage of like say new grads versus very experienced versus very very experienced
1: i'd say it was 60 60% new grads or within the first three or four years, and then the remainder were split more heavily with um, those close to retirement. And I I interviewed a few who (laughs) had sold practices in the past Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. didn't stay on. They transitioned out of that practice and were looking for a couple of days a week, but weren't looking for full-time. One doc who was really cool and he's like, I only want to do Tuesdays and Wednesdays cause on Thursday morning, I want to drive up to my cottage and I want to be there until Tuesday morning and then, or until Monday night and then come back and then I'll work Tuesday and Wednesday. Like he only wanted those two days a week and he wanted specific hours. So I wonder, um, you know, is, is that just the last hurrah before he fully retires or is he yeah. going to do
2: that until he can't do it anymore?
0: Yeah, um, financing his current retirement.
2: Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. I think interestingly enough, and I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Mark will talk about this a little bit when we get into the business of dentistry, but a lot of that has to do with you understanding your philosophy of practice and the the type of work that you want to do. Um, you know, do you want to be a more conservative you know practice do you want to be more proactive with we're not going to sit and, and actively monitor this We're you know and and so i think a lot of those kind of fit factor into it as well it's not simply do these days a week work for you uh, you know i mean mark both you and i practice in the state of arizona mm-hmm. um there was a time in arizona where if you had two hands and a hygiene license you could get a job wherever you wanted and oh so gosh, the questions yeah. to hire a hygienist were are you licensed? Can you start in two weeks? I mean, that was it. There weren't mm-hmm. these other layers, these other questions to the interview to find out like, are we are we a good match? You know, is yeah. this is this something? Be- and I think we're seeing too with this pandemic, the offices were, th- it was not a good match. You know, where the hygienists yeah. and the doctor's practice philosophies have never meshed and now it's just very heightened. So uh,
1: sure.
2: I'm sure there's that, a lot of that, um, right?
1: Something yeah. that I've kind of carried with me is You know, when I was writing my business plan, um, I have a a notebook that I write in and, you know, I, I go through the pages quite quickly. But I started a notebook specific to the practice and it was to the ideas of the things that I do. I wrote down all of the doctors that I worked for and I made a little graph and a chart of like the things that I loved in that practice and the things that I would change and the solutions to what I would change. Um, and I knew that um, Dr. Marvin Budd, the periodontist that I worked for for three years, um, what I loved was that once a month, we did a staff meeting, we went to the same restaurant, we sat at the same Elvis booth, he paid for, he put his credit card down right at the beginning. We weren't allowed to order booze, but we could order anything on the menu. And it was a perio practice. So really, like, what do those staff meetings really mean? not much because we don't do much with surgery and we've got very strict things that we provide in treatment. Like I can't just come in and say, I'd like to start offering whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a team building thing and I really loved that. Um, and then I worked for another office who we did an annual cottage trip, Dr. Carol Waldman, and she would open up her, her home to us, her cottage, um, which is like a cabin, which was like a mansion um once a year so i took all of the things that i loved and i said i want to do all of these things there was another practice that i worked for that provided benefits and it wasn't benefits as in here's your card from whatever provider it was a health spending account so for someone like me that doesn't take any prescription meds i have a bad neck and a bad back i use that money towards my chiropractic Mm -hmm. so i started doing this five years ago because i knew that this would be my goal Um, And I wrote all of those things down. And when I put my business plan together, which has a 10 year um, uh, projection um, of what revenues should look like and um, what my return will be and my loan repayments and all that stuff. um, I incorporated that from the beginning, because I think that's a really important thing to share in an interview with a team member. And I found it interesting that some of the employers that I worked for paid for continuing education. And my last boss, my last two bosses, Dr. Dana Colson and Dr. Carol Waldman, were both Koi's mentors from the Koi's Institute in Seattle, uh, owned by John Koi's and uh, various other amazing doctors. And I got to witness some of those, um, treatment planning, um, appointments. And, um, I have all of the binders before they went to iPad of all of the, um, protocols of occlusion and protocols of composites and implants and perio. And my boss gave them to me and said, here, if you could use these for your business or your, your practice, do it. So for the doctor's interviews, um, I asked them to present me a case, um, I didn't tell them or didn't care so much in an email to tell them that I'm a hygienist, because that shouldn't matter. We should be able to talk about treatment regardless of who your team member is.
0: Sure, sure. Um,
1: so I asked them to present me a case, um, the case, a case that they're most proud of and a case that maybe they're not so proud of, but they could tell me now how they would change that hmm. um, treatment outcome or the treatment they provided. And then I presented them with a case um, and the case was my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad needs a lot of work done. And um,
0: did you I ask how know. they would treatment plan it? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I showed
1: them I showed them images. I had a whole case presentation where I took photos and, and radiographs. Um, so I had, a you know, the occlusal anterior right, left, half open smile, upper, lower, front face uh, and lateral, a pan uh, and a couple of PAs. Uh, and I asked them what they would do for this person and didn't tell them that it was my dad. Because I want to know if that would change. Like, mm-hmm. does it matter that the person on the screen is the father of the person that you're looking to work with? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Or is it a patient that's just walking in off the street? And the one mm. doctor that said, oh God, look at those teeth, to my own father's case during an oh, interview, wow. um, was a clear no, because yeah. I don't wow. care if it's my dad or I don't care if it's the guy across in the street. That should never be your response. Your response should be the opposite. It should be like, wow, I'm so happy that I get to treatment and plan this and that I potentially would have the opportunity to change this man's life. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Um,
1: so that was yeah. some of the interesting parts of the Very, era. very
0: cool process that you put together there. I yeah. like it. I like it a lot
2: yeah thank you yeah. just amazing I've given it years of thought
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: sounds like you have and lots of journaling
0: <laughs> yeah and it, it it is interesting because I, I do work with a lot of D, d3 d4 dental students and and uh, because they listen to the podcast and then we get to know each one another and so many of them are like yeah I want to you know I want to purchase immediately I want to buy you know right out of the gate um Keep I have a couple of no, it's okay. I have a couple different practices that I have my eye on. Um, and to me, I think it's just so important to get your preferences and know what you want, what you want your practice to look like, your, what, you, what you don't want to happen in your practice, what you do want to happen in your practice. And, mm-hmm. and uh, going into practice ownership without, without having any real world experience, you really haven't developed your preferences yet.
2: Absolutely, and 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 I think that's that's kind of what's interesting about Irene's situation is that a lot of times when, as and and, and I maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but as a as a, a dental student looking to buy or a dentist looking to buy, a lot of times they're looking to buy an already established practice and taking mm-hmm. over a situation from you know a, a retiring doc, and so. I think there are other layers and challenges associated with that. We see that um, with the work that I do in our perio practice when, you know, we step into those situations. Irene's a bit different because she is a, a build from the ground up. So she's not in a situation where she's necessarily buying and then having to convert these patients who may not have had a certain uh, level of standard of excellence. I'm being uh, diplomatic about that, <laughs> um, you know. Versus Irene, where she's right out the gate saying, "This is the the standard of excellence that I want to to utilize. This is my philosophy of practice. This is where I'm going. Uh, patients that come into my office, this is what they're going to expect." And um, and I think that brings an interesting dynamic uh, to where she's going. So. That's like an awesome transition to the next segment, which I'm gonna let Dr. Costas take over, which is talking about Ooh. the business of dentistry. Whoa,
1: I'm sweating,
0: guys. Yeah. Okay, You're to say that I'm Get sweating.
2: Ready.
1: Buckle up. No. I am sweating. No. Do
0: I'm not I need gonna... to pull
1: up my business plan so I know my numbers have you <laughs> no. in like a year and a half?
0: <laughs> no, this is these are these are just questions that make me curious about your particular situation. Yeah. But I think that could be informative for a lot of people that are listening to us right now. First of all, access okay. to capital. What? How were the banks? How did they? How did they receive your business plan? And uh, was it difficult difficult to get all the capital that you thought that you needed? Uh,
1: yes. Yes, and no. So, um, my husband is a financial planner. He's an accountant with a tax designation by training. Currently okay. works for an institution in wealth management, um, estate planning uh, and general financial planning. So he, he's, he's a money man and I'm not so much a money man, but I, I understand how much I need for certain things. Mm -hmm. So we had a dollar value in mind. So we knew that we had to have our own personal injection for banks to take me seriously, because it isn't often that an independent hygienist opens a startup, um, of this caliber, You can start. And then one of the questions people ask me is how much does it cost and that could be uh, It could cost you $70,000 to open a one chair with IKEA cabinets or it can cost you a million dollars if you want um, You know, beautiful marble on the floor and custom lighting and um, it's it's kind of like building your own home. Right, so we had a dollar value in mind and we knew that we had to save x amount of money if we wanted to build a practice like I had envisioned it um, to keep our payments to a certain amount um, which would then be able to float so I don't have a high burn rate every month uh, paying for all of the equipment so I saved uh, almost $200,000 and of course that wasn't liquid for a while it was invested and saved and and put away um and then when i went to the bank you know they take you a little bit more seriously when they see that you have um an injection of your own and you know the injection is for running capital uh things that wouldn't get financed or that we needed to pay right away um and then we went and put together our business plan with that 10-year plan because our lease that we found um, was 10 years so we wanted to show what we would be able to do in 10 years based on the lease and the interesting part is that when an independent dental hygienist or a dental hygienist or a non-dentist applies for a business loan you apply for a business loan in the same department that a doctor does so there is a department in the banks that is devoted to physicians and dentists and chiropractors looking for loans to set up their own practices Mm -hmm. so there is no like division for non-dentists looking to open a dental practice i had to apply with everybody else And of course, my scope of practice is not the same as that of a dentist, so I can't say that I'll bill X amount per day, per chair, per hour. Um, I had to only be able to provide projections based on me hiring a doctor that will be able to use the facility to treat patients, um, and what that chair rental agreement um, and fluctuating business administrative costs would be. So it wasn't easy, we went to two different banks, even Uh though my my husband works for a bank, um, mm-hmm. and had to explain it to them until the very last person Googled me, the last bank manager, put my name into a Google search and called me and apologized that they didn't realize that I was different. Um, and that I do things a little bit differently. And, um, they offered me a sum of money, but not all of the money that I needed. Uh, okay. So I went to Patterson, Patterson mm-hmm. and, uh, Henry Schein and Sinclair. I listed out all of the pieces of equipment that I wanted. Remember, I've been doing I've been doing my business plan for a while, so I knew what statum I wanted and what hydrum I wanted and um, the capabilities of the pumps and the compressors in my office. I knew how much those cost. Um, and I shopped. I shopped between all three of those manufacturers. The person that gave me the lowest dollar value and the best financing rate, um, that's the company that I went with, and that was Patterson, who didn't care that I wasn't a dentist. Um, even though every single box that comes in still says Dr. Irene on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they didn't care that I wasn't a dentist. They they did they saw the potential and what I was creating here. Um, and then they offered me the rest of the money and financing for the equipment.
0: Patterson did. So
1: it what Patterson did. Yeah. yeah okay. They were fantastic. I can't I can't say anything else about how amazing Patterson was and the level of hand holding that they've given me wow. um, has been wonderful. So personal injection, bank loan. Um, and then financing through Patterson for my equipment. Um, and then leveraging my partners and leveraging my contacts. I mean, I, I, anyone can say that I, I hate asking for money, but I don't hate asking for a discount. Mm-hmm. So I went to my partners at 3M and Hugh 3D and, and all of the companies that I've worked with, Dentsply Sirona, shouts to Dentsply Sirona, Um, Mm -hmm. and said, listen, like, I want the best product, and I know you have the best product. I don't want to have to go anywhere else. I want your stuff, and I want to show it, and I want to share it, um, but I can't afford it. Can you help me? And you'd be surprised how many people can't give you free stuff, but they can give you a discount.
0: Yeah, Um, there's a mm -hmm. lot of margin. There's a lot of wiggle room in in everything in dentistry. Um, We call it the dental tax. Yeah, just got to ask for it. Yeah, the dental tax is, <laughs> dental is, tax. <laughs> is strong and true. Like uh, mm-hmm. you, you tack the word dental onto it, and you get you get, you know, an instant thirty percent markup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did did your landlord give you any um, tenant improvement allowance for the build out?
1: Yes, yes. So the space was completely concrete. It had no plumbing or electricity. So. This was the third place that we were looking at at the same time, and we had calculated the cost of build out based on what my vision was. Um, And we ended up with two similar spaces, Mm -hmm. one that was this office, completely concrete shell and another one that was an older building, but it required a lot of updates to its plumbing and electrical work. So in the end, it would have been equal. This space, uh, all of our plumbing and electrical is done from below. And because it's a concrete slab, it requires something called core drilling core drilling goes right through the slabs of concrete and there's a basement below that isn't owned by us or used by us, but they've allowed us to use our plumbing from below. Mm. Therefore you don't get that loud sound of a compressor. You don't hear Mm. it in my office because it's down underneath. We still monitor it and we have a shutoff up and upstairs here um, and a little space where we can go down there and review it. But the core drilling had to have uh, an x-ray of the floor to see where rebar is. Rebar are pieces of steel in the concrete. Mm-hmm. And because I'm in a, in a building, there's uh, 10 floors above me of residential. Um, our space holds a lot of the weight of the building. And some of the pieces of concrete cement pillars that are here that are 14 feet high and about two feet to three feet deep, um, those are structural. So there's a lot of concrete in the ground, which then led to the concern that I had a hard time uh, planning out where my operatories would be. Because of the x-raying of the floor, I had to put my chairs in specific spots to be able to have the plumbing and electrical come from below. The cost of that, the landlord had has estimated it to be almost $200,000 of core drilling, engineering, um, HVAC, which wasn't in plumbing, which wasn't in it's kind of cool to look at some of the photos on my Instagram, my office Instagram, which is um, at Tooth Life Studio of where it all began in 2018, where it is now. We've hit some, we've had some hiccups. I mean, um, we found a storm drain tank that's owned by the city occupying 400 square feet of the office oh, strategically geez. in the mm-hmm. area where I had planned for my stereo um, to be in staff room or team room. Um, and then we didn't know if we could do anything in there. So it took four months of contractors and engineers and city officials coming in to see if if we put electricity in that space if uh, something could backfire or malfunction um so i mean we've had some hiccups for sure but this was the best investment in a new place otherwise i don't know what would have happened when you tear down the walls of an older building Uh, and you find a lot of skeletons in that closet and then trying to convert them for new equipment can be tough.
0: Did did you have somebody else that you helped, that that helped you through this process? Is there another um, practice that you were trying to emulate or a mentor that had had successfully accomplished what you want to accomplish?
1: No. This
0: is it, This was was it. Yeah, um, the
1: other, the other, independent dental hygienists that I know and some of whom I'm close friends with um, have done things a little differently or they've rented out space and set up their own practice underneath someone else's roof or they've set up a practice in their home. Um, No one that I know personally has um, has done something like quite like this and I found even with like my speaking career um, that friend circle gets smaller Mm-hmm. Um, when you start sharing your dreams, and sometimes people give you great advice, and sometimes they don't give you great advice, and that then deters me to do what I really feel passionate about. Um, so I've led with my heart and my myself most of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That makes any sense?
0: Oh, for sure, hundred percent. How many how many team members are is it going to take to run the operation?
1: So I have a front desk who's already started. Her name is okay. Julie. She works two days a week for now. Um, mm-hmm. she's setting up our system. We're doing all our trainings together. We've implemented Open Dental as our software management. Uh, good choice. I've added Thank you. I've, thank yeah. you. I did a whole spreadsheet on all of the different companies, what their costs were per month, what the recurring costs would be for practice management, text, email, reminder, confirmations, all that stuff, service fees, training fees. I think I've got like 14 companies in the spreadsheet and Open Dental ended up being the one that made the most dollars and cents yeah. for the value. Yeah, by and far, added, by far, it's yeah.
0: the, uh, the most superior, I think, practice management software. That's, that's what we use in all of my practices and Almost yes. I would say probably <laughs> 90 percent of the clients that we work with of our of our two hundred or so private clients, we've convinced about ninety percent of them to switch over to open dental. It's just it's just intuitive. Yeah. It's it's a good choice.
1: I didn't invest in their add-on for a text and email reminder. I subscribed to Yappy for that. Oh Gina. I also use mm-hmm. Yeah, Gina Dorfman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I use their forms as well to customize my medical history forms and they've been really great. So yeah. instead of investing in, yeah, in, in open dental to do that, I, I added yappy to it. Awesome. Um, and that was the, that's the bare bones for now. So Julie, our front desk has been working for the last two weeks. and um, so that'll make her be in place for a month before opening, which I know some people advise two weeks is important, but as a startup with no systems in place, I really needed her to help me out. Okay. So it's, Um, it's
0: front desk and desk, um, yeah. Okay.
1: Um, One, one chair side. Uh Okay. One chair side assistant who will also help with our sterilization um, and, and then one more part-time hygiene or sorry, part-time assistant and front desk. Combined so we do have the opportunity for someone to move back and forth. So like cross, I said
0: cross over yeah.
1: Um, yeah, cross cross train Julie's only here a couple of days a week So we needed someone to be able to fill in for the rest of those days. So that's it for now okay. On the team side um, I'd like to have anticipate? an office manager.
0: Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. No, go for it uh, I was gonna say what do you once you get up and running? What do you anticipate that that total payroll? Percentage of revenue to be
1: right so that that I assume will fluctuate based on the hours that the doctors are open that we haven't put in place yet. I okay. think on our business plan. We've we've put about 18 to 22% to be okay. um, I don't have it open in front of me, but just from what I remember, I believe it to be 18 to 22% for uh, pay for for team that included me and um, as a Uh, hygienist mm -hmm. so we have some wiggle room there to exclude me if if needed
0: how are you paying yourself based on revenue generated percentage or an hourly rate
1: we haven't set that forth because we're waiting to see what happens on our um Numbers for our taxes. So the way that it works in our practice, and every—I mean, don't quote me on this, guys, because you want to speak to an accountant and a financial planner, because everyone's situation is going to be different. Mm -hmm. But I have my—I we have two corporations here. So Tooth Life Studio is basically the leasing and lending. Um, It. Runs the practice it purchases the equipment uh, and it's owned by my husband and I at a 5050 split mm-hmm. um, And then I have my own professional corp. So all of the billings that I do go through I Younger professional corp. That's what you see are on on your invoices. So the plan of how we plan of how we identified is that I would Um, Invoice Tooth Life Studio, Tooth Life Studio would pay me. um, And then we would look at tax bracket to see what should stay in the corporation. Therefore, corporations pay lower tax versus personal. Again, then a number that we're really waiting until the end of the year to pull out and to pay me because we need to make sure that it makes sense on the tax side
0: excellent the reason does i ask is sense? um it, it totally makes sense is that and the reason, right
2: is that the right way to do it is that the right answer
0: <laughs> tell me the oh, answer it's, <laughs> oh it's totally it, it's totally dependent on your situation but it, and everybody right. does it slightly differently but uh the fact that your husband is a cpa and he's a financial planner gives you gives you a huge um Advan- advantage advantage. Yeah. advantage yeah to do things correctly with the right entities in place etc but what i'm getting at is i, I just checking to see because this is a different model than i'm used to seeing right so
1: yeah
0: we typically break it and break the expenses into three buckets the, the first bucket would be payroll the second bucket is fixed and the variable expenses and the third bucket would be uh doctor compensation, doctor compensation. right so <laughs> since you're doing you since you're doing a little bit of a hybrid and it's not a traditional dental office the way that money is flowing, flowing through the operation those buckets may be different. So those three buckets, whatever is left over after those three buckets are all paid is profitability for the owner, right? So, so if-
1: the interesting thing about the way that the doctor pay happens in our office is mm-hmm. that um, I don't withhold the doctor's finances, the doctors pay me so i'm not allowed to fee split and based right. on the rcso guidelines dentists have to have control and power of their finances so tooth life studio provides a management service or a management fee of their finances therefore they have their own pos system they have their own account that's linked to the pos system so they purchase uh, and all, the of, all of their own supplies no So Choose Life Studio also provides an equipment fee and an equipment rental fee and a chair rental agreement. So basically when you look at what a doctor uses their associate's money for is what I have to physically outline line by line. So you as a doc have an associate, you take your split you take your 60, whatever your split is, you have to outline, well, what am I using that 60 for? Well, I'm using that 60 for my assistant that I'm giving them for X amount of hours, and I figure out what that rate is based on the hours. Uh, Well, they're using my front desk somehow, they're using my software somehow, they're using my accounting they're using my materials. So I physically have to outline based on their guidelines what every single thing is that I'm using and then figure out a formula, -er, as my husband the pirate says, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, of how that makes sense. And it gets broken down because it can't fee split. What happens at the end of the month. I I,
0: I totally get the model. What happens if the doctors, prosthodontists for instance, um, wants some really exotic composite material or really expensive, Matrices yep. or wants um, a nine hundred dollar per unit lab. Um, right, that's going to directly impact the revenue that so, uh, the income that you take home.
1: Yeah. So in our agreements that we drafted, again, speak to a lawyer if this is something that you're looking to implement. Is we we looked at um, a baseline dollar value based on what I'm ordering. So for example, I've ordered um 3m bulk filled or unitech um, that's the baseline of what i've decided to order for them two syringes of a2 end up being I don't know, 110 dollars canadian um, if you want something more than that then you pay the difference um, and that that's just the the process that i've put in place now because we Aren't cash flow positive, mm-hmm. so I can't say okay, I'll buy you a four hundred dollar composite. And but then the three M stuff is sitting in the drawer. Yep. So that's the understanding that we have, and we have two um, labs that we use. One that's kind of a good everyday bread and butter sort of lab, and <laughs> one that does a little <laughs> bit more cosmetic stuff. Um, if they decide they want to use a different lab, um, and it's outside of that that price point. The lab fee comes out of their budget.
0: That's awesome. So that, that's that's really good business. I'm not the
1: overhead cost.
0: Really, I'm really paying for business. all the
1: lab fees. So all the lab fees go in the corporate credit card, and then that mm-hmm. gets invoiced to the doctor, um, which is great for me because then I'm gathering all those points. Um, but everything gets billed back to the doc. So
0: yeah, how you probably it works. already you probably already know this about dentists and and being in uh, the dental field for as long as you have that. Um, some dentists are very particular about the things that they want, but it's very yeah. smart for you to have some sort of a stop-loss measure where you say, "Okay, I'm willing to pay. This is our preferred lab, and I'm willing to pay up to this much for per unit in in lab fees." But you could, you're free to do whatever you want as far as the lab that you select. But this is your this is your budget. This is how much I will pay. You can go ahead and use whatever lab you want. You just pay the difference. Um, yeah. That's what that's what we've ended up doing for our associates as well. Smart, very smart.
1: Thank you, yeah, that's that's the plan. And you know, the baseline equipment and the baseline materials that I've provided are not crappy by any means. I mean, mm-hmm. um, we've got electric hand pieces that are set up, we've got beautiful brand new burrs that the doctors suggested what they wanted in their burr blocks, and I've created a standard burr block If they want to add anything extra they're free to add anything extra to those verb blocks but you know they got to make sure that they're using them Mm -hmm. Uh, i didn't buy crazy pieces of equipment until we know we need them but the standards that we have are all you know beautiful brand new cassettes and brand new instruments made by hugh freedy um they're, they're quality instruments so i hope that if they do need to add anything it's it's minimal because i started off with a good solid Middle ground.
0: Excellent. So, when all is said and done, when you're when we're talking about these buckets again, when payroll is paid, including you, so you're getting compensated as a hygienist, as a provider, and fixed and variable expenses are paid, and all of the doctor expenses are paid. What is your goal? What what ideally would you like to have left over as far as a percentage for profitability for your <laughs> for your business when all is said and done? Based
1: based on our based on our uh, projections. We won't be net positive um, until the end of year one. And mm-hmm. that was pre-COVID plan. Uh, so we would sustain our expenses um, with a small amount of profit that would be held uh, for expenses or who, who knows what might happen. Um, mm-hmm. But we, were, we weren't planning on being like significantly net profitable until the end of year one. And that's why I've added Two doctors from the beginning um, to try and get a higher volume of new patient exams in so that we could still meet our targets of being net profitable by the, by the end of year one of practice. And awesome. I think that that's common. I don't want to say that you, you probably see more business plans than me, but I think a lot of people don't, don't often have high net profitability net profitability until after their first year, at least, if not two depending yeah. on what equipment you're buying and i yeah, think yeah,
0: we we shoot for a break even by six months so we're talking yeah. about negative cash flow for the first six months right. um and then profitability slowly grows after that six month mark that's that's typically what we've seen depending yeah. on the depending on the location but um i will say one thing that that i'm very impressed with is the fact that you're you're thinking about cost of goods sold cost per procedure you've already kind of Tried to figure out how much is going to cost for you to produce um, your production. We always say that. How much does it cost to produce your production? You know, and that includes all the support staff. How much does it cost to heat and cool that 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 um, treatment room for an hour? Um, how much is yeah? You know, at, how at much is it going to cost? Seven
1: hundred. Um, I'm about sorry. I'm at about three hundred and twenty-two dollars per day um, to keep the lights on. Excellent. For the entire practice, um, yeah. and that is because I haven't used all of the money through our financing, and um, we've repaid some of the financing through our personal injection that was left over. So that's basically how much it, it runs me to keep the office open and to pay my team to be here full time with no patients being seen, which sure. I mean doesn't happen often. So, under four hundred Canadian per day.
0: Katrina, I didn't mean to hijack the hijack no, the podcast here. No, no. This is good. Um,
2: <laughs> no. I love okay. it. No, it's I could talk about
0: this stuff for days. Yeah. And
2: and yeah. you do, and you do so beautifully. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I, I wanna I wanna ask some questions because you've talked about the building itself. You've talked about, and by the way, I'm impressed. It you like you could work at Home Depot if this whole like dental hygiene thing doesn't work <laughs> out for you. <laughs> like and then the concrete I and the know how to floor. fix an HVAC unit now. <laughs> That's like amazing. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. That's fantastic. So um totally. t- tell us a little bit about the practice itself. Um, you know, the 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 plan of building the practice um, and did you work with a designer and then your contractor? So kind of, kind of walk us through that.
1: Yeah, so uh, I had created my idea of a practice kind of like a mood board, uh, scoured through Pinterest, put together a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, I, I live and breathe in Excel and PowerPoint. Those are my two favorite things in the world. So I put together a PowerPoint presentation with what I wanted each element of the office to look and feel like so like the front office, uh, pretty modern, open concept. I wanted a coffee bar as opposed to a seated waiting room area so people can either stand or sit in, and look out the window. Um, I'm at a corner in Toronto, um, busy street corner with four-way stops. I mean, the location of this practice, I, I couldn't have selected better if I had tried, and it took me a while to find the right place. And it took me a, fi- a while to find the right place with the right square footage and with a landlord that would be willing to help me build it out. Um, and which is also very important, guys, when you're negotiating your contracts, make sure that you're looking to the future when you're looking three to five to 10 years from now as your practice grows. Because um, sometimes they'll throw in like, a, okay, well, you'll pay $22 per square foot now, including your TMI. But then in five years from now, we're going to up it to 44 bucks a square foot, which is Craziness. So really look at that. Um, I created my mood board and then I looked for contractors that were experienced in dentistry. I didn't want to hire someone for cheaper uh, because they've never done a dental office before. You know they can do. They're trying to get in the business. Like you could do that. I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to compromise the build out. At the time, we were limited in timing, so I negotiated a three-four month fixturing period, which means that you don't pay rent in that four months. Uh, as you're building your practice out. So the landlord did their quote unquote landlord's work, which is done before you take possession of fixturing. And then as soon as that happens, the clock starts and you've got four months to build your office out. That was my negotiation. Four months to build your office out. And then as soon as that four months closes, um, you start paying your rent and you start paying your TMI, which is abbreviated for taxes, maintenance, and insurance. And that's generally a percentage of, uh, sorry, it's a percentage of your base rent plus fluctuating costs, like your electricity or water or whatever, your maintenance fees. Um, I didn't want to risk hiring someone that was inexpensive, inexperienced as a contractor for dental and then running over my four month fixturing period and then having to pay my full rent. It, it, then it could, it could get expensive. So I interviewed five, um, five contractors that have specialized in dentistry i sent them all my powerpoint presentation before said this is what i want it to look like Um, these are some of the finishes that i want Um, you know what's the quote per square foot how do you work with my um, distributor which at that point i had selected patterson Um, how do you work with my distributor what's the process what happens if um, i need to move a plug last minute or what happens if you need to add something quickly or something breaks in the meantime. I looked for a contractor that wasn't the most expensive, but also that the wasn't the cheapest. I looked for the one that I was most comfortable with that wouldn't throw in some additional charges or costs or fees uh, in the middle of the build-out or at the end of the build-out, for that matter. Um, and that's how I picked the company that I work with. Um, and I don't regret that at all.
0: Did they come, did they recommend um, a designer or an architect to you?
1: They did, they Uh did. And I, uh, I politely declined.
0: And you did um, it yourself?
1: And I did it myself. I sourced out my own materials. Um, my dad is a civil engineer and an architect and, um, full disclosure, I've flipped three properties in the last 15 years. Uh, just to make money. So when I graduated school, I had a lot of debt um, and I didn't know how I'd be able to pay it off. I went to university first, didn't use my degree and then went to dental hygiene school. Um, Personal experience, I was in a relationship with someone, we were engaged. I put down all the deposits for our wedding that never happened and then I got stuck with a lot of debt. So Uh. I needed to figure out a way to make money quickly. Um, So I flipped my first home uh, in 2007 when the market crashed. So Mm. I took advantage of that pulled out money out of my loan for school, put it down as a deposit on this property and then flipped it. Um, and then did that two more times to pay off all my debt. Nice. So uh, wow. I was familiar with um, with flipping homes and where to source products from. And luckily my father being a civil engineer and an architect had some really good contacts on uh, like lumber distributors and uh, tile distributors. Um, so I knew where to go to get a good price. And then I leveraged my contractor to get even better pricing.
0: Awesome. Wow. That's, That's amazing. So, yeah. I and social I don't media think...
1: helped.
2: So,
0: yeah. Social media
1: really helped. Every time I had a decision to make, I asked social media to vote. And it had ultimately turned out that social media made the right decision. So you get thousands of people's opinions. Yeah. yeah. Um, down to the paint color or to the tile backsplash or like even the little handles that I put on my cabinet drawers. Yeah, I remember when you I were doing on those which questions. One. Yeah. And it was what so a cool, cool thing. To see.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's
0: very cool. That I love that.
2: Cool. You know, Irene, I don't think a lot of people know that about you, like your your history and in, in, you know, understanding like flipping homes and things like that. And I mean, that's that. So you, you've really, you're a very diverse human anyways, but you've got all these like really unique skills and talents and things that you've brought to the table. And I think that's, that's kind of another layer to us discussing all of this in this episode is that it, it's not just... Well, I took one business class, and so now I mean, I I mean, it's like you—you're pulling in all of these different things that now are kind of coming to fruition, or allowing you to really kind of flourish in your business, which is really exciting. Um, I want to ask you about the equipment. So I know we talked about—we did a shout out to uh, Patterson because obviously they've been incredible with all this going on. Um, and I know you've been working with companies like 3M, Hugh uh, Freedy, shout out to Serona because I know they've been uh, just sending you like box loads of equipment as well. So tell me a little bit about the type of equipment, where did you get it from? Um, and then also specifically, there are a lot of questions about radiographs. So what X-ray equipment do you have? Can you take your own x-rays? What does that look like? And she's gone.
0: Uh Uh-oh, we lost her.
2: Did she disappear on us? (laughs) (laughs) She was like, I hate that question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's too hard. I'm out of here.
2: (laughs) She was like, yeah, I don't want to answer that question. I want to talk more about business. Um, Okay, so this is really great. Um, Mark, I think what we'll do is we'll just gather the information about the... Oh, she's back.
0: Hey, 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 there she is. There
2: she is. Hi, Irene. She's kind of frozen.
0: I always... I always kind of take my cursor and wiggle it on wiggle. the picture and pretend like that does anything. <laughs> I
2: know. Is it, is it, uh, we need to <laughs> wiggle it just a little bit. Oh, poor Irene to me. I think she's in her office actually right now. So she might, she's been having some issues with her office. Like I remember there was like a two week period where she was getting all these like floods coming into her office. And, mm-hmm. um, so maybe she's got some wifi challenges on her end who knows, but. Well, uh, oh, I have to
0: tell, tell you, um, To whoever's still listening, I, 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 she is much, 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 much more researched and prepared than I was the first time I did my first build out. Wow. Um, I kind of, I kind of winged it. Yeah. Um, And she's really thought of everything. Um, Yeah. Very sophisticated as far as the way that she's, she's approaching this project, which is which is definitely notable and uh,
2: huge and i so i guess this this kind of is a nice segue what are your thoughts as a dentist as a a, you know a a trained doctor who goes in and does a lot of these trainings what is your thought or or how do you feel about a hygienist owning a practice
0: yeah i mean clearly i i I purchased my first practice from somebody that wasn't a dentist um Mm -hmm. less qualified and less planned out than she was um if the practice was um run as well as i think hers will be run it would have been a much easier transition mm. for me but you know it, it, it's in this day and age you know um irene was alluding to the fact that dsos are um are often owned dso practices are often owned by non-licensed dentists it's very very common so i think that taboo is gone personally for me uh, i'm not, i'm unemployable completely i could never work for anybody <laughs> else it's just, i mean I, I've never been hired for a real job. I mean, I, I don't think that I'm, I'm a great candidate to be an employee, but um, I don't think, I think the taboo is completely gone from dentists as far as if, whether or not it's a licensed dentist that owns the practice or if it's a business person or a hygienist or anything like that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't think that the barriers are, are insurmountable by any stretch
2: absolutely you know i th- and, and irene kind of brought it up earlier on in this segment when she said you know she she's not the only or first person to open up a practice like this but mm-hmm. she's certainly kind of the loudest from a social media standpoint you know people 100% are you know seeing a lot of the things that she's doing um, mm-hmm. and and they're making comments and you know I- irene especially is a a person who has received some um, negative uh, feedback or negative comments from um, you know from people doctors who um, simply um, you can tell there, there is some unease uh, in in the dentist community about hygienists having that type of um, power in a practice or you know decision-making opportunity in a practice and so um, I think there there' certainly there is some fear there and I I, I guess you um, She's just done such a beautiful job of managing and, and, and mitigating a lot of that but there's there's still kind of that that back and forth that that ebb and flow that happens when something really new like this kind of moves forward she is different she's not. A dentist as the practice owner, but she does have dental training, um, and she's an extremely bright uh, individual. And she's she's done her research. She doesn't want to be a hygienist that opens a practice just so that she can get whatever products she wants in the office, and that's it. And you know, hi hi Irene. Oh my gosh. This is terrible. <laughs> no, we know it's not terrible at all. We, we kept it been, going. We kept it going. So so we we kind of skipped ahead. I, I want to go back and, and I could hear some of the stuff you were saying about negative feedback and oh yeah. I do you I want me to do you want me you? to comment
0: on that before we move on? Yes,
2: yes, let's let's do that. So we, we I was asking um Dr. Costas about his thoughts on, you know, uh, doctors that have had some negative comments or or thoughts about hygienist in a practice.
0: Yeah, so you guys picked the right DDS to, to comment on this because I, okay. I, I think that it could be done correctly and I mm-hmm. think that it could be done poorly. I think that a lot of the concerns that, denti- that some dentists have that have potentially given you negative feedback, I think some of their concerns are valid. But mm-hmm. I do believe that if you set it up correctly and, and you're a responsible caregiver, then, then it could be very successful. And I don't think you have to compromise patient care in order to have a successful model like this. Um, there are some people that have experienced um, in these types of practices a lack of continuity of care, um, uh, a lack of follow-through when referring to a dentist for follow-up care. those are the sorts of things that you hear often when people are say that they're concerned about this model I mean, Obviously, uh, you are so well thought out as far as the way that you're structuring this. There's going to be continuity of care. And and some of those arguments don't even apply to you because you will actually have licensed dentists within your own facility. Um, So a lot of the negativity comes from different anecdotal experiences that people have had or um, experiences that their colleagues have had. So I get where they're coming from. But uh, as far as you're concerned, it sounds like. Do you think any
1: of it might be territorial?
0: Uh, some of it, perhaps. Some of it, perhaps. I, I you know, I, I don't know uh, the medical community to the degree that um, I've gotten their feedback, physicians' feedback on PA's opening offices, which is very, very common in the United States. Um, the reason that that was agreed upon was because that primary care physicians are very, very, um, there, there just aren't enough in very short supply in the United States. So PAs have been able to open their own medical offices. and They're everywhere and, and they're still too busy. But um, I believe there's, there, there could be some territorial stuff going on. I don't see the overlap. I mean, as far as uh, dental therapists, I can see the argument there, um, but not so much as, as independent hygiene practices.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. And I, I think the, the challenge becomes, and, and you brought up dental therapy, which is like a whole other conversation for another day. I think the reality becomes um, there's so much need right now for dentistry. I mean, the realities are out there. One in two adults across the United States have some form of periodontal infection. You know, every hour in the hour, one person in the United States dies from oral cancer. Dental caries is the number one chronic childhood is that, disease. Is that right. the ratio? Holy molar, and holy molar. Holy molar. So the reality becomes, we, you know, we. we, we, There's a need for what we do. It's not that there isn't a need, Mm -hmm. and so if we can empower. Uh, clinicians to come out and and do the right thing you know at the end of the day and I think that's an issue too like I always hate it when you you diagnose SRP in an office and you know that patient's gonna leave and 100% they're going to find at practice who will do their profine. Oh sure right yeah and it's like why like why are we not calibrated as a community like why are why are we kind of backstabbing each other We, we need to be elevating the profession together we have to come together and you know it just it hurts my heart when when Irene gets these types of comments but i think too Irene is a is a type A uh, person, and so Irene, I mean, you also get a lot of really positive feedback from people who are just so inspired yeah. and really are just driven by um, you know a lot of the things that you're doing uh, as a hygienist. So we I want to we kind don't of, always remember the positive. I yeah, know, of course, though. we don't. No, I know. We're, we're all speakers here, right? So like when you get your course evals and you read them, and like all of the <laughs> all of the course evals are like she was brilliant, she's amazing, and then you get one course eval that's like. I didn't like that she had red hair. And you're like, I, I, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, and you're like, yeah. this reminds yeah. me about it. Yeah, So yeah. that leads me to, can we circle back to, tell us about your equipment, irene Irene, Tell us about your x-ray equipment. Let us, let us kind of get a deep dive into yeah. your equipment. Um, x-ray equipment's kind of
1: cool because I'm the first practice in the province of Ontario to have a nomad. Um, I had to put forward an application to the Ministry of Health here about eight months ago. Uh, Holy
0: cow, nomads are are that exotic in Canada?
1: Yeah, so nomad uh, a year ago, nomad a year ago was approved by Health Canada in a different province. Um, And then someone needs to be the guinea pig in each province to bring it to their office and to put together a package that gets sent to Health Canada to approve its use. So (laughs) I took that upon myself to do. Um, because I had a practice that was all open, meaning open concept and open walls. We didn't We were at studs when I started to put this together because you have to attach photos photos of your lead lined walls. Uh, and you have to prove that your practice being the gimme pig practice is equipped uh, safely to to use this piece of equipment. Wow. So I did that, um, put that through and put that forward. And Patterson really loves me because I offered to help anyone else that would like a nomad in their practice to put together their approval package. And I think there's like the first 10 offices in the province of Ontario that wants one has to do it. And then everyone else just kind of becomes um, kind of bulked in. Um, anyway, so that was the first piece of equipment that I had um, committed to because I was taking it for the team and doing it for the entire province sort of thing. Um, my sensors are Chic sensors by Dentsply by Sirona. Um, my chairs are the Dentsply Sirona Intego system, including electric motor. <laughs> And those are awesome. They were made in Germany. It wasn't the first set of pair, pair, set of chairs that I ordered. The first set I ordered was from Forest, and they made a huge boo boo and they sent the wrong chairs. And it was interesting because mm-hmm. they had sat in a warehouse for 18 months. I, I put down deposits on equipment in 2018 because I wanted, I knew that the practice build would take a long time and I knew that prices go up for these pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. And so I secured 2018 pricing. Uh, show pricing from like a dental convention in the US, because they always give better discounts in the US than they do in Canada. So I put down the minimum deposits that were possible out of our personal injection so that didn't have to pay interest on a loan. Um, And they were made custom by Forrest and shipped to Patterson and then they sat in a warehouse for 18 months and nobody opened the boxes. Mm. So when they arrived here, there were three different colors. The base was like, yeah, the base was gray. The cushions were uh like a a weird gray color, almost like a dough, um, with yellow stitching, like DeWalt power drill yellow stitching. And then the delivery system was carbon fiber black. So whoever ticked the boxes on that special order ticked the boxes wrong. Um, Hmm. and I returned them and I got an out. Um, I got an out because another distributor had said, hey, we'll we'll switch it up for you, we'll get these for you. We'll give you a discount if you want them. Um, So I did that and then I ended up switching from forest to Dense by Serona. Um, I have a hydrum, a larger hydrum. Um, I have a 21 V Bravo and a statum on the way. Um, I went for an S for my my, um, hand pieces started small and we can move our way up to bigger pieces of equipment as we go. So I I tried to be pretty lean. I have two Cavitrons, one that's a Profi Jet and Cavatron, and one which is called the Cavatron Jet Plus. And then I got a Cavatron 300. And then all of the other pieces of equipment and hand pieces and all of the little things that you don't realize that cost a lot of money. Yeah, so, they add up quick, um, really quick. They add up quick, yeah. yeah. So I, I asked for financing for a larger amount of money for my sundries, um, whether I use them or not so that I could keep ordering things for the next six months um, and not have to pay for them out of pocket. Because if the docs do come in and say, I do need this or I do need that, I mean, a, a Q3D punch for your rubber dam matrix or your rubber dam system is like five or 600 bucks, if not more. EBay. So I didn't want, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. serious. All, that's to, all what's of that, of that what's stuff What's that the brand YouTube?
1: called that everyone buys their handpieces? Yoko Omi or something? Yoko um, Ono? Like the person. I,
0: the I use I use Midwest for everything, but but yeah. yeah.
1: But um, you're 15 eBay. years in. You're 15 yeah. practices in. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to be as lean as I could, um, but not buy stuff that would break tomorrow. My for mom sure. used to say we're too poor to buy cheap things. Oh. Um I agree with Mama. I agree with Mama. Um, you know, we—I was raised in a communist country, moved here at a young age, and my parents had nothing. So we always, you know, taped the bottom of our shoes if we had to, but we bought nice shoes, so they lasted a little longer. Anyway, so that's 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 what I did for the equipment. Um, I hired an IT specialist to do my computer software systems. It ends up being cheaper if you hire a professional to do it than trying to sit there and figure it out on your own because time and money are very much the same thing Mm -hmm. um i went with um an off-site digital uh system for backups as opposed to having an on-site backup system which you're not supposed to have because then you have to take your stuff apart and move it with you when you go um so i did that and started off
2: small and then upgrade as i need to i love that i and and you will like i i mean uh, when you had kind of hopped off the call, um, Dr. Casas was just saying you you are already so far ahead of the game and all the things that you're doing from a business standpoint that um, this maybe who knows in 5 years from now you'll be like 15 offices deep and rocking and rolling it and 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 doing the damn thing which is just fantastic we could sit and talk about this all day i think um right. and 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 really kind of deep dive into it and and maybe this is part one of of many segments to kind of i'm going to i'm going
1: to plant a seed for part 2 i mean Yes, to i think you, i really think, think we to need to
2: do part, part 2, two. yeah so, yeah for oh, sure
1: today this is this episode is going out on monday we're recording it on a friday on Wednesday, um, I have I have an interview. Um, I have wanted to participate um, in the restorative dental hygiene program here, which is a very competitive program. Um, and I've waited and waited and waited until the right time. And I realized that it's never really the right time. So I have an interview uh perhaps to start school in january which
2: is the
0: worst
1: time but maybe the best time which means (laughs) that by
2: girl
0: that's what i'm
1: saying
2: she does everything i don't (laughs) know when she sleeps i don't want to jinx it so i don't know
1: um it's competitive but if that does happen then it means by april when i graduate i'll be able to start providing restorative which means i'll hire another hygienist to take over the irene days um, yeah and i can double up with our um associates be billing twice the patients and doing twice the patients in the same amount of time. So that's, that's my next step. Um, and when that happens, once I hit to a certain dollar value, the next chair will go in. So I have okay. benchmarks of when the next chair will go in. We need to do X amount of money in surgical procedures before I can put it in that surgical operatory in the room that I'm sitting in right now. That's my office, but eventually it'll be a surgical op. So mm-hmm. if you are opening your own practice, you need to hit benchmarks. If you're in the same state that I am, um, where I didn't want to put all of the money in all at once and then be sitting there cash, cash office poor, um, Mm -hmm. blowing all my cash in the office and and not having the treatment to be able to do it. So we've plumbed everything, the electrical, the plumbing, everything's done. Um, and it'll take me three weeks to put a chair in. So as soon as I hit that dollar value and my husband, Chris says, Okay, so you've done X amount and restorative and you have X amount of empty chair space or empty chair time or mm-hmm. you're overbooked. That's when we know the next chair needs to go in. So we've mapped out growth.
2: Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. You're a rock star, Irene. So
1: that's, that's, that's part two.
2: I, all right, stay tuned for part two. Um, final question before we wrap up for today. If you could give one piece of advice to a hygienist who is looking to open their own practice, what would that piece of advice be? Hmm.
1: Don't be your worst, your own worst enemy. I went to a a seminar, um, Principles of Practice Management, two years ago, Um, and I remember leaving day one. I went back to my hotel room. I sat on the floor. I have a photo of it, and I cried. Uh, I bawled my eyes out because the first set sets of questions they ask you at these these types of conventions are, you know, raise your hand if you've got one practice, and I was at like .5 raise your hand if you have five practices and then hands go up and raise your hand if you have 10 practices. And, um, you know, the number of people with their hands up, uh, got smaller and smaller, the more practices you own. But for the person like me, I, I then thought I was insignificant and inferior. And I let my mind get the best of me of like, well, I'm quote unquote, just a hygienist. I hate that word. And mm-hmm. I hate when someone says you're mm-hmm. just a hygienist, because you're not, you are someone else's dream right now someone else wishes they could be a hygienist and they can't for whatever reason. Um, so you're not just anything. So if you want to do this, you need to talk yourself into being your biggest fan and not your own worst enemy, because we can talk ourselves into a lot Mm. with the right mindset. So since that day, I have been my own cheerleader and not my own enemy. And, and when I find myself having a moment of like, what am I doing? I, I, switch my mind to something different because the more you train your mind to think positively, the more positively you will be every day. Um, it's like, it's like working out. It's like working your muscles, your brain's the same. So be your own best cheerleader and don't let yourself get down. Just take it step-by-step. And if it takes you five years, like it took me to know all of your facts, then let it take you five years. But Mm -hmm. But be ready because it's a lot of work and and no one all, no one shows you the hard work behind it um Mm-mm. they show you the you know the beautiful paintings on the wall and artists that came in and out to paint these things for me but no one shows you like how hard it was to get someone to to do all these things
2: that's a, what, what amazing advice and and it really is it's uh the behind the scenes surreal is very different than the highlights real when it comes to that and uh I, and uh, I. Dr. Costas is a great example of somebody who who can absolutely attest to the fact that hey like it's not glamorous owning your first mm-hmm. second third you know as as you're making these mistakes and learning from them and growing and um and and there has to be a humility behind it and I I, I love what you had to say Irene um, about you know being your own cheerleader and and staying positive and not getting in your own way I think that's absolutely incredible. Um all right so a first First of all, I want to thank you, Dr. Casas, for joining us today uh, on Karen. our uh, Tooth or Dare podcast. You are incredible, and I, I'm so honored yeah. that you're able to, to join us here and, and pick Irene's brain. Um, I'm not sure if you know, well, you do know, uh, we are called Tooth <laughs> or Dare podcast for yes. a reason. <laughs> um, uh-uh. <laughs> so uh, typically the way that this works, you, you've you seen this done at VOD yes. with um, shots of he fireball. He recorded
1: it. <laughs> he <laughs> recorded
2: it. He saw, he saw Howard Ferran get DM that's right so that's how we typically um do it if we're in person um when we're online like this irene and i do a visually impaired version of rock paper scissors and then you would go up against either irene or myself you would decide if you want to take or dish a tooth or a dare So um, I'm going to go, let's have Irene and I go ahead and do our uh, rock, paper, scissors, and then we'll do some hashtagging and social media handles and make this happen.
1: Okay. All right. So you think about what you want to do. Are you ready, girlfriend?
2: Okay. Okay. I'm ready.
1: Okay. duh.
2: Dang it. Wow. Win. you That's amazing. Lost. <laughs> I lost. All right. So Dr. Costas, I'm going to have you decide if you want to dish out or accept a tooth or a dare. And while you're doing that and, let, and thinking about it, uh, please uh, listeners out there, feel free to follow Irene on Instagram at toothlife.irene follow our podcast tooth or or you can find me at the dental wine genist please if you enjoy this episode please feel free to hit reviews um the more stars the more reviews we get the more that people love us find us on podbean um itunes uh, all that jazz uh share away um and dr costas how can uh followers find you
0: Oh, me. Okay. Uh, Dental Success Institute on Facebook. It's the group, not the page. Um, there's a page that some people end up at by mistake. So it's the mm-hmm. group Dental Success Institute. Same thing on Facebook. Um, Dentalpreneur Podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you consume your, your podcast. That's the best way to find me.
2: I love it. Awesome. So please find Dr. Casas as well. He's got some really great um, content and uh, just a, a wealth of knowledge. And uh, and he's everywhere doing all the things right now. So uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. What what's what is the what, what's the consensus? What do we do? Verdict.
0: Uh, I'll take tooth.
2: You're gonna take. <laughs> you're gonna take a tooth. All right. Um, here we go. Ready? What was the biggest mistake you made? in your dental practice owning career thus far? Biggest mistake?
0: Whoa. Big, huge. Oh God, Th- that's huge. the hardest question because I've made so many. It's like, you know, my <laughs> favorite. Or... What's your favorite <laughs> mistake? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the first seven years of, of my dental career, I, I was fortunate enough to build six successful dental practices. But the biggest mistake that I made was I had this arbitrary financial goal in mind. And uh, I wanted to make a certain amount of money. I wanted to have a certain amount of money in the bank. I wanted to have a certain number of practices, certain number of employees. And I, I really, really focused on accomplishing this arbitrary goal that I set when I was like 16 years old. And um, the day that I actually got verification that I had accomplished my goal finally, after 16 years I accomplished this goal, it my seven, seven, it was, I called it my seven seven. It I called it my 7735 I wanted to have seven figures in the bank. I wanted to be earning a net of seven figures per year, and I wanted to do it by that before I was thirty five years old. I saw wow. that on your Instagram. That's amazing. I think
1: you took a photo of you with your family in front of your home or something.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was my goal, and. Um, The, the, the mistake it comes down to the fact that I I was hyper focused on that one particular goal and everything else in my life was falling apart because Of this ridiculous ambition and the pursuit of this arbitrary goal. So I did, I accomplished it. I was two years late. I I accomplished that by the time I was 37 years old, not 35 But um, my CPA sent me my tax return. I opened it up on my laptop and I realized, oh my gosh, I I accomplished my goal and um, it was at that moment that I realized that I had never been more miserable in my life. Mm-hmm. My, my primary relationship, my wife uh, and I were um, very struggling a lot because I was working 80 hour weeks as I was out of town every single weekend. Um, I wasn't seeing my kids grow up. Um, they didn't know who their dad was really. Um, I was a jerk at work. Um, I wasn't healthy, physically vibrant or energetic. So I, I had allowed all other aspects of my life to deteriorate in um, at the expense of everything. Uh, this, I accomplished this goal at the expense of every other area of my life so that was my biggest mistake. Um, at that point I sold four of the practices I recalibrated and and uh, that's when I decided that I was going to put different priorities in different spots in my life and uh, have it looked back since. Wow uh, th-
2: okay. thank you for for um peeling that layer back for us. I think sure. it, it's, it's so true there. Um, I think all three of us are, are that kind of high level, high achiever, like mm-hmm. work, 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 work. And, and sometimes you do forget, um, you know, that it's, it's not always all about work and all about hitting your next goal. It's, there's a humanistic quality to what we do. And, um, and if you don't have that balance, it's really easy to burn out. So yep. thank you for sharing that. What a, what a valuable lesson for all of us to, to hold on to and to really um, digest.
0: So yep. thank you. Awesome. Of course, thank of course. Wow. So Wonderful. If, if either one of you ever has any practice management questions, I don't know a lot about a lot, but I do know a lot because of uh, because of my experience and the mistakes that I've made. If you ever need me for anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. Oh,
1: I want to be part. Of, I want to be part of your your. She's black
2: belting, yes.
0: You're yeah. gonna black belt she's I gonna already be... have, I already have You're... a
2: brown one right. Here.
0: <laughs> and your name is gonna be on this belt. So
2: good. Yeah. So good. How I can't wait be? for that. What's that? How cool would that be?
0: Yes, totally doable. You got got this.
2: Oh, it's going to be amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, uh, Dr. Custis, with uh, the uh, Dental Success Institute for your support today. Thank you, Irene, for opening up, peeling back those layers for us, and giving us a little bit of insight into what it's like owning a practice. I am your hosty host today, Katrina Sanders, and thank you again so much for joining us on Tooth Through Dear podcast. Have an amazing day. Cheers. Peace out, peeps. Bye bye. (laughs) Bye.
0: I mean, Katrina's perfect.
2: But he's uh, Katrina's perfect.
0: Irene, did you <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that?
2: Did you get that, Irene? <laughs> Katrina is never perfect. Is that better or is that too loud? No,
0: that's perfect now. How was
2: that? Yeah. Is that okay? Irene,
0: right. Irene, you're perfect.
2: <laughs> oh. Did you hear that, Katrina? I'm perfect. I heard that after he mentioned that I was the perfect one, is where I went well, with that. I think he just did that to make you feel better. Oh, I, that that uh, may be that may be accurate, turns out. I know how,
0: I know yeah. how to play these things.
2: <laughs> he does. He's, he's on a call with two women and two hygienists <laughs> right. nonetheless. So he right. he gets it. He, he's treading lightly <laughs> is where we're at with that. <laughs>
1: So whenever
2: you're ready, Katrina, you're going to do this. You're going to do this for the first time, girl. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm so nervous, Irene. Okay. Oh. Everybody. Oh.
0: I'm nervous, too. <laughs> Is
2: everybody ready? Let's ready. do it. All right.